The fourth reading will be from John chapter 3, verse 16 to 21, and on page 8 in this booklet. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest its deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Uh, Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you. My name is Benji. I'm the assistant minister here at Grace Church. And if you are wondering why a sixth former has wandered into the wrong building, don't worry, I have graduated. Now, we as Brits, we don't like pointless things. We hate pointless things. I once had a data entry job for a bank that was um, checking the invoice numbers next to the invoice on my desk 11 hours a day, and I thought the university education was worth it, folks. It was worth it. We hate pointless things, but we in particular Brits, we really know pointless things. Um, if, If you've ever bumped into a Brit, they turn around to you and they say sorry. We say sorry so much that the word has lost all meaning, all meaning whatsoever. Um, I basically say in every single sentence, it's become utterly pointless through repetition. And I wonder if perhaps Christmas has taken on the same thing for you. Perhaps Christmas has become pointless. What is the point of Christmas? We do it every year. We sing these songs, carols. They go way too high. We can't keep up. We eat mince pies, which are awful, by the way. I'm sorry uh, for those of you who love mince pies. They are objectively horrendous. The proof of which is that we only eat them once a year. Um, Relatives that we were hoping we might never have to see again, that maybe the 12 months that have passed since last Christmas might have finally finished them off. Turns out we're seeing them again. Um, And we might have ultimately lost the point of Christmas. What is Christmas about anyway? Does my child really have to wear a tea towel on their heads? Does my Christmas jumper really need to be that hideous? And oh, trust me, it is hideous. And do I really have to eat granny's Christmas pudding once again, as me and my father, but for some reason my sister and mother never had to do so every single year, and it was vile. And perhaps more so though, why do we ask ourselves the question, and why do we every year, sorry, why do we sing these songs about a baby that was born in a glorified feeding trough 2,000 years ago? Is Christmas pointless? Why do we do Christmas at all? Well, here we have in this one verse, and I would encourage you, please open up these little booklets um, that you had the readings from. Page 8, page 8, right at the bottom with the little verse 16. That's where we're going to be for the whole of this talk. It's a summary. Um, This is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's a summary, and we love a summary. Because if you're anything like me, which is a slow learner and addicted to Netflix, which has decimated your attention span, um, then you absolutely love a summary. And I, and I know you know what I mean. We've never watched a whole YouTube video on normal speed. It's always on times two. So if someone was to kind of pull out the headphones, it would just be, you know, that kind of um, intense speed. And I know that you do the same thing I do, which is you scroll to the most replayed. Some of the people in the room are looking at me like, what on earth are you talking about? But you scroll to the place in the video that is the most replayed point because we love a summary. And here, well, this is John's summary. John's executive summary for the point of Christmas. This is why Jesus came. In other words, if you get this verse, if you understand just this verse and what it means, well, you've understood Christmas. It is John's summary. And in this summary, we're going to see three things. Three things for us this morning. Three things. How God feels, how God has acted, and the consequences. How God feels, how God has acted, and the consequences. So to begin with, how God feels, he loves the world. Have a look down with me again at that little 16, page 8, keep it open. For God so loved the world. That's how God feels. Now that should knock our socks off. God loves the world. But the world, of course, it isn't very lovable. In fact, if 2023 was to have a hashtag caption or whatever, I don't know what the young kids call it these days, if it was to have a motto, 2023, well, a very, very good contender would be this world is not lovable. Wars, death of innocence, men of power lying for their own ends. No, the world has not been very lovable at all this, this year. But not just this year. We could think back, couldn't we? Um, Even in the last couple of hundred years, the Holocaust, Cambodia, Rwanda. No, the world is not very lovable at all. In fact, it's quite easy to see, um, if we just take a cursory glance over history, that the world is not very lovable. And it's easy, therefore, isn't it, to look out there and say, yeah, the world isn't very lovable. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as we do that, as soon as we say the world out there isn't very lovable, well, then we have to turn the lens on ourselves, And we have to ask the question, am I very lovable? Am I lovable? Um, And if I'm uh, I'm honest, um, in my best moments, I would say that, yes, I am very lovable, actually. I think if you were to ask my wife um, at the end of this service, um, she would definitely say that I am the wittiest, the funniest, the kindest, the most gentle, um, the the most easygoing man that she's ever met. She would say that 100% of the time, all of the time. Maybe she'd say it 50% of the time. And if I'm being honest, she would say it none of the time. I've done routinely what I shouldn't have done. I've routinely lied. For the first two years of my marriage, um, I lied to my wife all the time. And because husbands, we're supposed to get stuff done. And my wife would ask me, have you done the dishwasher? And I'd say, yep, knowing full well I've not done it. And then I'd rush off to try and do it. I would lie constantly for the first two years of my marriage. And if the Lord was to point the lens at me, I would see, and he would see, that I'm not very lovable either. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what about you? If you let everyone into the darkest places, your thoughts, your minds, your motivations at your worst point, if we were to put them up on this screen behind us, all the things that you've thought in the last year about other people, all the things that you've thought in the last year about God, what would it show? No, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not very lovable you're not very lovable. The world is not very lovable. And yet this is the staggering fact of our verse. Verse 16, God so loved the world. God so loved 
the world. That is a truth that knocks your socks off. The world is not very lovable, and yet God so loves the world. And notice what the verse does not say. The verse does not say God so loves the good people in the world. The verse does not say God so loves the people that have been christened in the world. Do you notice that the verse doesn't even say God so loves the Christians in the world? Do we notice that? No, 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 no. God so loves the world, the whole world. That is how God feels. That is point number one. God loves the world. Point number two, have a look down with me again. Number 16, verse 16. Um, that he gave his only son. This is point two, what, ha- what God has done. He gave his only son. Now, this is where we really get to the heart of the Christmas story. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the summary. This is the heart of it. Because God loved an unlovable world, he sent his son into that world this first Christmas. That's what we've been singing about with all of these songs. Um, but here is the greater shock. He sent his son into an unlovable world that first Christmas to die for it. Why? Because this unlovable world needs a savior, needs a rescuer. Now, allow me to ask you a question, a thought experiment. It's not my question, but it's a great question. All the best questions are um, the questions that you steal from somebody else. If you were to die today and you met God at the pearly gates and God asked you, he looked down at his book and said, ah, great to see you. Why should I let you in? How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? I wanted to get that answer in our mind now. If you were to die today and you were to meet God, and God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer that question? Would you say, it's because I'm a good person, Lord, I've lived a good life? Would you say, my, Christ, my parents are Christian, Lord, I, 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 you should let me in? Lord, someone poured water on my forehead, I was christened, therefore, Lord, you should let me in. Because however you answer that question, if you were to die tonight and the Lord asked you, why should I let you in? However you answer that question, that is where your confidence is. Now, however you chose to answer, if you chose to answer, well, because I'm a good person, or maybe I've got good karma, or maybe because I've been christened, well, let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, is that really enough, given how unlovable the world is, given how unlovable I am, given how unlovable you are? Is that really enough for God to let me in? But John says uh, that Jesus came to die for this unlovable world and unlovable people. How big is the problem of our unloveliness if Jesus had to die for it? Very big, I would imagine. Bigger than the fact that we've been christened. Bigger than the fact that we might think of ourselves as good people. Very big. We need a rescuer. This is what the Bible in that slightly strange word calls sin. Our unloveliness towards each other and towards God. And God has has sent his son into the world to do that job of saving us by dying for us. Now, I'm a cringe hater. Anybody else in the room? You're British, most of you, so I'd imagine that you hate cringe. I hate cringe so much that I can't even watch a TV program of other people experiencing cringy situations. I have to turn it off. Can't stand it. Um, Can't stand it at all. Um, And recently, I became a father, um, and she is objectively, and people always laugh when I say this, and I don't know why, but she is objectively the cutest baby you will ever see. And I I genuinely don't mean that as a joke. People like Benji can't use sarcasm in the sermon. I'm not being sarcastic. She is genuinely the cutest baby you've ever seen, because she is. Um, And I realized recently that I would climb over broken glass to make that girl giggle. Um, And furthermore, I I would act in the cringiest way 
in public. I don't care who's there if it meant that I got one smile from that face because she is the cutest baby in the entire world. Recently, at the Chris Stingle, I had to dress as a giant orange in an inflatable suit. It was one of the worst moments of my life. I hated it. Um, but if it meant, if I had to dress in an orange every single day to make my little girl smile, trust me, I would be having a subscription to Amazon to make sure they were coming in my door every single day. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to make absolutely clear, there is no way on this earth I would ever give my little girl for anyone in this room or anyone period, for that matter. I would never give her for anyone else. And yet the shocking truth of what the Lord is saying in this verse is that God gave his son. Do we see that in verse 16? That whoever believes in here, uh, that, that God gave his only son to die for me, to die for you. God gave what he loved the most for an unlovable world. Is that not staggering? God gave what he loved the most for an unlovable world. Is that not staggering? Final point, point three, the consequences. Have a look down with me again, verse 16, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, John makes clear elsewhere that our unlovable world, it isn't neutral. Our sin, our unloveliness, your sin, the world's sin, it deserves punishment. God is just and he wonderfully, and we emphasize that word wonderfully, he won't let evil go unpunished. Did you know that in the year after Sarah Everard was murdered, do we remember Sarah Everard, the horrendous story, 15 more women were killed in London that same year, despite all the protests, despite all the marches, and in God's world, they don't get away with it. The wars and the atrocities that we're seeing in the Middle East and in Russia and Ukraine, in God's world, they don't get away with it. Justice is a wonderful thing. The only issue is we don't like it when that justice is turned onto our unloveliness. We need a rescuer. God is just. He won't let evil go unpunished. And we know, don't we? We know that the world is not very lovable. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we are not very lovable. And if we come back to that question, if you were to die tonight and you were to meet God and he was to ask you, why should I let you in? Um, We would know, wouldn't we, if we were honest with ourselves, that we have no leg to stand on. No leg to stand on whatsoever. Our good works, they are worthless before this God. Well, because God loved this unlovable world, he did the unthinkable. He sent his son to die in our place. In our, you see, this is, as we said, this is the summary. If you get this, you get the lot. It is a like-for-like swap. If you put your faith in Jesus, I get Jesus' perfect life. I get Jesus' eternal life with the Father. I get God's forgiveness and Jesus on the cross. He gets all my unloveliness, the punishment for all of my sin. Jesus takes it. And so I can walk up to God and say, because of Jesus, you must let me in. If we return to that question, return to that question, Lord, why, um, if the God asked me, um, why, ben, why should I let you, Benji, into heaven? I wouldn't be able to answer that question any differently to anybody else in this room. I would have to say, God, you shouldn't let me in. I'm so unlovable. But because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me, because I put my trust in him, well, Lord, I think you can let me in. And the Lord would look at me and say, son, you shall not perish. 
And that is how our verse concludes, verse 16, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And notice that word, whoever, isn't that a liberating word? It means that whoever, singular, every single person in this room, in other words, the offer is being made that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you were to die tonight and God were to ask you, why should I let you in? Anyone in this room could say, because Jesus died for me. And God would say, welcome home. It's a wonderful thing to know that you will never perish. It is a wonderful thing to know that you will never perish. So as we conclude, ladies and gentlemen, to return to our question, is Christmas pointless? And many of you might be thinking, it is. I hope that we see that John wants to persuade you and show you that Christmas is not pointless, that the great promise has been made, that God broke into our world in the person of a baby so that he might die for that world, that God gave what he loved most for an unlovable world. And so the offer is being extended, and I would highly recommend, do take away one of these eyewitness accounts. Do have a read of it. The offer is being made to you. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I hope you have a very wonderful Christmas.